I'm Gab. He's Jules. Nice shirt, Jules. Oh, wow, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, blue skies over West London, although not really no. Certainly at Stamford Bridge, uh, we'll be talking about that Real Madrid and Chelsea. Um, the we'll be talking about Champions League because well, you're back. Champions League is back. Yes. Uh, City and Liverpool, obviously Bayern losing. Big story. Liverpool getting the job done. Um, but let's start at Stamford Bridge yes. because I know you're dying to say to say something. <laughs> Kareem the Dream. What a man! Yes, rare foray out of the house for me last night. I, wa- I, I, I was there too under the under that awful little pissy rain that yeah, comes down. Yeah, um, now, he could have probably had five, I think. Mm. Um, in fact, he missed one of the more difficult chances uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I did not expect this sort of capitulation, but also we've been very hard on. On Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, we have. And you know, there's always like two truths. Was it Chelsea being terrible, which we'll get to in a minute? But I thought Real Madrid did a lot of things, did a lot of things right yeah. as well. And it's not just Benzema carrying them. I thought, you know, the way the way they lined up defensively. Mm. I thought Valverde on his side um, just caused a lot of disruption defensively. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. I think this is the best half that we've seen from Real Madrid this season, the first one. I didn't, exp- I, I didn't see that one coming. I have to be honest, I didn't. I didn't think they could be that good against Celta Vigo at the weekend. They were average again. Uh, they were got a lot average. of penalties, though. Yeah, they got a lot of penalties. Uh, and they needed Courtois once again to step up against PSG in the previous round. We've, we've discussed that many times. And yet for them to come out and, and put that performance for the first 45 minutes. And you're right, it's not just Benzema, Benzema stole the show when it was his show. But the way Valverde played, the way Ferland Mendy played at left back, the movement in midfield, Casemiro, it was, it was just fantastic. It was almost the, the good old Real Madrid, if you want. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. That made Chelsea play badly. And I think Chelsea also helped Real Madrid being so good by being so abject like they were in that first half. Let's talk about that, about how poor Chelsea were, because I think a lot of the focus is going to happen, is, is going to go on, on probably some of the defending, and, and rightly so, Mendy and Almighty, Rickett for the third goal, mm. Christensen, you know, getting substituted, Terrible. switching the switching the setup. But equally, and, and I wrote about this at the weekend, because I was very surprised that against Brentford at the weekend, Lukaku is on the bench. When when Havertz has started, starts two games over the break, yeah. Lukaku does not. He only sends Lukaku on when they're 3-1 down uh, against Brentford. So I thought, ooh, is he thinking maybe of giving Lukaku more space? Uh, the answer, no. He only brings on Lukaku to lump balls to his head, yeah, yeah. which is not what Lukaku does. I can't explain. I'm not having a go at, at, at Havertz here. I think there's other Chelsea attacking players who were really yeah, bad yeah, in that yeah. game. Like, I don't think Pulisic had a good game at all. But what what's the deal here? I don't know. I didn't expect Lukaku to start on Wednesday night. I expected him to start against Brentford at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I I have to say I stru- I'm struggling with two horses' choice lately in those two games. Why is Kovacic on the bench on Saturday? Why is Kovacic on the bench again on Wednesday in a game where you know you will have to play with a lot of intensity to disturb yeah. their midfield three when you only have two in midfield yeah. is to have the most mobile midfielders. Midfield three, by the way, Real Madrid, which effectively often became a four because Valverde, Valverde often, inside, uh, exactly. often retreated. And it didn't take Nostradamus to figure out that Ancelotti, away from home, rather than playing Asensio uh, or, or Rodrigo, would play Valverde. Exactly. This, that's and what it's really almost like Tuchel me. didn't expect 
that kind of setup from Real Madrid that he didn't even watch the PSG game. The first leg especially when Messi did a really good job on Casemiro to prevent Casemiro from playing when Real Madrid had the ball. And it's almost like if Tuchel went into it, I'm not saying he underestimated Real Madrid, but almost he went and said, okay, yeah, let's, let's do the normal setup. Let's do what we usually do and we will be fine, like, like, like in the semi-final of last season. But actually, it looks like Tuchel had no plan when Carlo Ancelotti had a really good plan to counter Chelsea and whatever Chelsea would, would come up with. I mean, then the lack of aggression, the lack of intensity from Chelsea in the first half was, was terrible. Tuchel said afterwards, they asked him, you know, is the tie still alive? Uh, and I wasn't sure if you understood the question or I not. I know, because I can't, I can't believe the answer. <laughs> Why would you say no? Why would you say, yeah, the tie is over, it's finished, it's over? Why would you say that? Do you think he's to, like, kind of shake the players a bit or, like... I don't know because that doesn't really seem to be in Tuchel's locker. He's not somebody, he's not Mourinho no, who goes and right. says something yeah, to yeah, affect definitely. and push psychological buttons. He just has a different, he just has a different style. So I don't know if he misspoke. Uh, it's obviously very it's not wrong. over, especially with no, especially with no away goal. Yeah. because it's not inconceivable that Chelsea can go to the Bernabeu and win two 0 if they play a lot better than they did yeah, uh, yeah, uh, last night. So. I was really, really surprised by that. Um, Me too. Whether it's the sale in the background, whether it's stuff going on, uh, whether it's he's still under shock from the Brentford game, um, you know. And Chelsea had been on a run of victories before that. Mm. Not in a good place. So you, you know, you mentioned the, the shirt I'm wearing today. And if if you don't watch the show on television, and if you're just listening as a podcast, obviously you won't know. It's the Inter Milan '99 2000 shirt with a San Ronaldo number nine in the back. Yeah. And this is only a pure tribute to Brazilian Ronaldo, of course, a genius of his own, but also because he's the idol of Karim Benzema and Karim Benzema growing up, wanted to be Ronaldo, wanted to be like Ronaldo. And, and he still says now, Karim, that he's no, nowhere near as good as Ronaldo ever was. But, but I just, I'm just amazed, even knowing him well, that he can produce moments of magic like he did on Wednesday to back-to-back hat-tricks in the Champions League. Only Ronaldo, Messi and Luis Adriano against Bate Borisov, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. come on. Yeah. After, I know, I know, but, you know, right. so really, it, it counts because <laughs> There's Bate always Borisov the name that doesn't quite fit. I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty much only the two aliens and, and Benzema then. Uh, and the way he took those two headers, maybe the second one even more than the first one. The first one is sheer power, really, from where the ball comes from Vinicius. The second one is all about the finesse, all about the germ, all about the intelligence. And, and I was thinking during the game on Wednesday, like, OK, what other players, Gab, would have, would have reached his best level? And we're talking one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world right now. So late in his career, at 34, what kind yeah. of other players? It's almost peak. Players who are so better late. in their 30s than in their 20s, yeah. right? So not and just mid-30s even. He's not like 30, 30, 31. Yeah. He's 34, he turned 34 in December. It's, a, it's, an, interesting, it's an interesting debate because, um, you know, there are examples of players who are, you know, Messi and Cristiano were really good in their 20s and really good in yeah, their 30s true. and, you know, whatever. Um, in Benzema's case... Uh, I mean, the ones that come to mind are, are people like Toto Di Natale, yeah. you know, who scored, and Quagliarella, yeah. these guys who had very long careers. Uh, Teddy Sheringham, I think you could certainly argue, you know, possibly better in his 30s. Became a slightly yeah, different yeah. sort of player. Ibra as well, to a certain extent. We should ask him. We should get him on the show and yeah. ask him. Um, 
Yeah, Ibra possibly. Because with Ibra, it's a bit different. Because Ibra, I think it was also, there's a sense of mat- a maturity came yeah. in. Yeah. What makes this slightly different is those other guys that we mentioned in their 30s, you know, they, they had the combination of the experience and they were technically exceptional, mm. right? So you don't lose your individual no. technique if you're and the a top intelligence, yeah. footballer. And you have the intelligence. And then you get that extra experience and the team plays for you and whatever. Yeah. With Benzema, I'm really struck by how the athletic side of the game is still such a big part. Mm. Because the way he pops up in, in different areas, right? I mean, we, we talked about Vinicius down the left and Valverde down the right, kind of Valverde often becoming the fourth midfielder and so on. So there were times when Benzema was a right winger. There were times when Benzema becomes a number 10. Yeah. There were times when Benzema goes over with Vinicius and overlaps. So that kind of incessant movement and work rate, which has always been a hallmark of his career, you know, back when he was working for Cristiano Ronaldo yeah. and Gareth Bale, and that's, that's still there. And I don't know physically whether he's just a freak of nature that he can continue doing that. Do, 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 do you yeah, see what I'm saying? Really, so, I think the big key here is the athleticism and how he's done all this invisible work to be so fit, fitter than he's ever been, really, in, in what he eats, all the, the, the treatment that he does to recover, to recover his body, to rest his body. All of that is incredible. And the talent was always there. It's, it's what we're trying to say to people, even in a Cristiano team, even when he was younger at Lyon. And by the way, his first ever Champions League goal was back in December five against Rosenborg with Lyon and 16 years later or 17 years later he's still scoring in the Champions League like 80th 81st 82nd goals or whatever which is incredible but you're right the, the, the big difference is the mentality now in the sense that he had the responsibility when Cristiano left especially to become the leader of the team and he's delivered that and then this incredible fitness and, and athleticism that was there before, but not to this point. I mean, since when has he become Zamorano in the air? Like, how, how did that happen at 34 years of age? And if you look at him, he's, he's a player with almost three players in it. He's got that heading ability now of a Zamorano. He's got this incredible technical ability almost of, his, of a Zidane and the awareness and the number 10 role that he can have. And then the finishing is incredible. So... I, I don't know. I'm lost for words now. I've, it's, I don't even know what kind of adjective I can use. We've talked about it before. I, I would love to see an intelligent, well-reported piece by people mm. who talk to a lot of people who can, who can explain this, who can understand it. Because it's not just a goals tally, right? You can say, oh, look, but he played with Cristiano, so he had to play for Cristiano, and that's why he didn't score as many goals. All the years that he played with Cristiano, he says, oh, Benzema, blue collar, he worked so hard for Cristiano, yeah. for Gareth, blah, blah, blah. Sure, if he took more penalties, he would have scored more goals, duh. But it's more to it than that. Like, he is a more decisive player today as well. And and I look at all the managers he's had, and we didn't see it. And I know the Mourinho haters mm-hmm. who love to point out, you know, Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, arguably the two best players in the Premier League, yeah. right? Sent away by, yeah. by Jose Mourinho. But also Benzema. Remember the whole, like, Benzema, Higuain, he preferred Higuain, he said. And then Higuain gets injured, and he's like, oh, I wanted to go hunting with a dog. Now Higuain is injured, so I got to go hunting with a cat. I don't know if cat in, like, Portuguese lingo is some lame-o. Yeah, or they're, like, not aggressive enough. Uh, Some cats are very aggressive, you know. Um, But look, I, and I know people will pin this on Jose, but you can't pin it on Jose because... 
so many others also said, oh, yeah, look, Benzema. Oh, yeah, he's, you know, he's good for doing the running for Cristiano. He's good for opening space for Cristiano. Yeah. You know, he's kind of like the bass player in the band who nobody ever, who makes it work, but isn't the star. Yeah, you don't notice. But he is a star. But he's a superstar. He's always been. And like he said in the interview we, we did in October, he said, but Cristiano was in the team. Like, he, the guy scores 60 goals, 70 goals a season. Of course... Of course, this is his team. You know, it's not well, it's, it's not Karim Benzema's team or Luka Modric's team or Gareth Bale's team. This is Cristiano's team. So you do you do what you think is right for the team. And if that means helping Cristiano to score 70 goals when you score 32, like in the 11-12 season, then you do it. But he was never it was never a case, certainly not in Karim's head, of like, okay, I'm gonna sacrifice myself. For, it was not like that. He was just playing his game, and his game. At that time, in that period of his life, and certainly at club level, was like, okay, how can I help my team winning? I want to win Champions League. So if I score two goals today, we might not win the Champions League. But if I help and the team by putting Cristiano in the best environment, if I do my bit, if I score my goal, but also give an assist or two, then we're going to win the Champions League. So of course I'm going to choose that. And, but it was never a case of, oh, the guy is not good enough, or he's underrated, or he's, you know, he's, he's undervalued. The talent was always there. It was just also down to the environment around him and the team around him. I, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with it. I think the how do I help my team win, you're still seeing it even today, right? So now what you're saying is now Cristiano's gone, so the way you help your team win is scoring goals as well as continuing to be unselfish mm. and so on because yeah. there's an altruism to him and there's a reason he's he has all those assists you know I mean I don't want to have a pop at Vinicius here but especially seeing him in person he is kind of a one he does one thing yeah. very very well yeah and maybe he'll grow into somebody who does more but so much of it is he and Benzema having this understanding about when he runs, where he runs, where Benzema is. I think what has helped Vinicius tremendously is he's developed the experience now and the awareness of, of Benzema in terms of how he yeah, angles definitely. his run, in terms of how he moves. Yeah. Um, and the other one too, the, the one where, where, where Vinicius, uh, the, the one which ends up hitting the, 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 the crossbar. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, which I think, I wasn't sure if it had been deflected, was it deflected or not. But, yeah, I think um, it was. Uh, Benzema is 34, 37 goals. In 36 matches in all competition this season, or 38, his expected goals is 28, I think. So the 28 goals that he scored, that you expect, and there's another 10 that he should not have scored. Right. Like like the second header, for example, or maybe even the first header, which I think is remarkable. I. I've said it before, there was a time where I said Kylian was the best player in the world and Karim was a close second. I think right now it could be the other way around. Karim is the best player in the world and Kylian is a close second. I'm glad they're both French. And I, I could not care less if you think one is better than the other, one is the best player in the world right now. What I know is that there's a big, big chance now that Karim, if he continues like this, wins the Ballon d'Or and it would be well-deserved. Okay, I, I, you know, I'm pumped. Who else? Who else? Give me another name. Do you want me to stick the Liverpool fans on you? What, Mo Salah? Yeah. Mo Salah right now is the best player in the world. Did you watch the Benfica game? So no, it's, it's a fair point. I'm just I'm just thinking ahead to I think um, this December in Qatar. I'm, uh, I'm I'm pitching together, and we're going to have the Stars tournament involving players from Italy, 
from a bit of Erling Holland and Odegaard. Yeah, we'll yeah, take Norway. Yeah. You don't want to go to Qatar anyway. Yeah. You guys come so along. Egypt, Egypt yeah, obviously. My my friends from from Nigeria. Yeah, yeah they yeah. got to be there, right? Nigeria as well. Riyad Mahrez and his friends. Bit of the Riyad Mahrez. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we can put together. We, we can put together a decent Very tournament. Decent. Gareth Bale can come along if <laughs> Wales don't make it too. Why not? We will be the Stars tournament, and, yeah. uh, and we're going to love it. I don't think Australia is making it either, so we'll have Matt Ryan as well uh, yeah, in goal. Of course. Um, right. Are you, worried, are you worried about Chelsea? Are Before you worried we get about to Chelsea, I want to say one more word about Real Madrid, though, which is partly because I'm naturally contrarian, partly because I, I genuinely believe we overrate experience. We've mm-hmm. long overrated experience. Yeah. But when I see Real Madrid, I think I want to make a bit of an exception. When you have experience married with been there, done that, unflappability, yeah. um, and a really, really, really high technical level, mm. I think it makes all the difference. Because Chelsea were horrible in that first half. Real Madrid took advantage of it. But when they pulled the goal back, you know, that's maybe when a different team might have been like, okay, you know, away from home. Um, Tony Kroos, who maybe doesn't stand out the way he used to. Yeah. Modric had a quiet, especially in the first half, yeah, I thought it was yeah, quiet. Stats, yeah. Alaba at the back. I mean, Casemiro, these guys are never rattled. They, the They're never they, rattled. Even when they got killed by Barcelona, they yeah. weren't rattled. No, you're right. And the way they control, when I mean, the Barca game is a, is a freak of a game anyway. But I thought in that second half, when they were under pressure, when they were under the cosh, when Chelsea were clearly the better side, even at you know even at three one after the, the the Mendy and Rudiger mistake, the way they can control those moments of pressure when they are under pressure is so good. I mean they've been there so many times, mm. and by the technical ability, by the experience, by the know-how, they can get themselves out of that kind of and hole, and it's, it's it's so priceless at that level. And I want to name check somebody else too because obviously Ferland Mendy had a very good game. But Courtois again. I mean, the Court- save on yeah. Aspilicueta is unreal. But I thought Dani Carvajal, when you consider yeah. how you know he'd been poor, he'd been injured, Vasquez comes in, uh, you know, Kilian kills him because that was tough for him. No, completely. I mean, yeah. But there's that moment where you wonder, am I? Do I still have it? Am I still good enough? Mm. You know, am I still? Do I still belong at this level? I thought I thought he was exceptional yeah, last really night. Good. Really good. Which brings us to Chelsea. Now. We praise Real Madrid, yeah. But then we have Tuchel saying that you know this was one of the worst halves of football that he's seen. Which was. I don't think it was much better afterwards. Um, how much of this is on Tuchel and his choices? We talked about the Lukaku thing yeah. before, but I also think like you know I look at the performances of of, of, of Pulisic. I look at the the general approach, which seems to be okay. We've gone back to three five two. Jorginho ping the ball wide and deliver crosses for for Havertz. Mm. Havertz is really good, but I'm sorry, you're not going to confuse Alaba and Militao with your movement no. unless there's other stuff going on, unless there's runners, unless... You, 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 you see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, completely. It's almost like if Pulisic started because of what happened last season against Real Madrid, where he was very, he was very good and scored a great goal at Avadebebas and, and all of that. This is the, he was not even the same manager. This is a team that plays very differently. And if, like they did in the first half, they play quite deep and wait for you and then hit you on the counter with Valverde, Vini and Karim, then why is Pulisic doing that? Because there's no space for him to run. He was completely transparent in that first half to the point that at some point I even wonder if he was still on the pitch. 
because just the ball was not getting to him and when it was he could not do anything with it they, they were but, getting but the nothing down Pulisic's side I but mean it, again but that's also because as Piliqueta's behind him everything was going to, to the other side to the yeah, outside yeah, yeah. But, but the worst was I guess his press and, and counter press not just him the whole team I've rarely rarely if not never yeah. and the Tuchel seen Chelsea pressing so badly every time there was one or two Real Madrid on their own uh, one or two Real Madrid players on their own and not just on their own gap with like literally uh, like a, a 50 yard diameter around them to receive the ball easy turn no pressure not, I mean what was going on it, it looked like they were down they it were playing was, with 10 men it was hugely hugely disjointed I think that's Incredible. a great point you make I was going to bring it up to appear clever but you did it first um, I rarely have I seen a team that struggles so much off the ball mm. Especially yeah. when you're trying to press. I, I thought positionally, whatever, when, when, when they retreated, they were okay. But 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 but, but Pulisic, it was like it wasn't he wasn't there off the ball. And it's it's not just him. I'm not yeah, I'm not yeah, just no, having no, a go no, at him. No. Mount's the um, same, yeah. Mount yeah, Mount did more with the ball, perhaps, off the ball less of a, a factor. Off the ball, yeah, yeah. And that puts a real strain on Havertz. I, Do you I know how many kilometers Havertz run? Which for me is the biggest indication of how, how wrong that whole press was 11.8 kilometers 11.8 kilometers for Kai Havertz who's not a runner let's be honest here you know he's not the one who sprints yeah. to get the ball in behind and who is the a center time. forward playing at home almost well. 12k yeah because he had to cover so much ground and trying to press on his own almost yeah. because it was not followed behind him it's crazy um I thought in the middle of the park as well you know he went with uh Jorginho and Conte inevitably because Jorginho will get the blame from many quarters. Equally, if Jorginho's in there and he's told, ping the ball wide, get it back, ping it wide again, do it over and over, you know, rinse, repeat, recycle. Mm. This is what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, Conte, I don't think, had a good game at all. No. And, you know, he's just the wrong players. I mean, you mentioned Kovacic before. Why? Just give me, an, give me a reason why you would put Kovacic on the bench for a game like this. I mean, again, I think it's an issue of if you put Ko if you play Kovacic and drop Jorginho, maybe he wasn't. Maybe I, the only reason I can think of is if I play Kovacic in this game and I drop Jorginho, and Real Madrid go and just sit and play the way Atleti did, or you know, not quite that yeah, much, yeah, right? Yeah. But let's just, just play on the counter. Then how am I ever going to penetrate? And with Jorginho, I know I can keep circulating the ball hopefully move them out of, out of position and then the crosses come in and Harvard scores. That, that, that's the only thing yeah, you can think maybe. of because, you know, uh, Kovacic is just a completely different type of player. Later on, when he brought in Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I was like, whoa, what's going yeah, on here? Yeah. That's, a whole, uh, that's a whole other issue. At the back as well, Christensen had one of his worst games, I thought, in a Chelsea shirt. Yeah. Uh, whether he's not fit or not right or whatever, mm. I don't think Rudiger either covered himself in glory. It's just, just generally... Are you worried though? Are you not worried? Or you think it's just it's just a little bit of a blip, two lose two 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 defeats in a row at Stanford Bridge as well, but in very different context if you want. But then you go to Southampton at the weekend and then obviously there's that second leg where you you can still do it, but you need to believe and you need to get things right though. I think like I think from Chelsea's perspective, they reached the quarterfinals of, of the Champions League. I don't think they're favorites. And if you go out to Real Madrid, I don't think there's any tremendous shame. If you put in a good for more events at the Bernabeu, 
I do think actually one of the key games this season for Chelsea is going to be uh, April 20th at home against Arsenal. Because when that third place starts getting in doubt, mm. that has a knock-on effect as well. Yeah. Also has a knock-on effect potentially on the sale. Because for all these deadlines they put in, oh, April 11th, and then Chelsea will 18th, inform the, government, yeah. the, the, the preferred bid, bidder on the 18th, yeah. and then the government... You know, if f- fourth place becomes a doubt, all of a sudden, you know, that can knock 100 million yeah, yeah, off easily. the price yeah, easily, yeah. right? So I think that's when you start when you start worrying. I think Tuchel got this one badly wrong. He's he's gotten yeah. a couple things badly wrong. I'm a Tuchelista going yeah, back to me too, of You course. know that, yeah, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if internally he's not getting the support he needs for him to make the right decisions. I just do know he's been making a bunch of wrong ones. And I do know most of all what he's wrong about is that this tie is over. Because no away goals, you have to win 2-0 at the Bernabeu, which is very difficult. But it's not impossible. It's really not impossible. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. All right, enough Benzema. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gab. Uh, you said that reluctantly. You want more ah, Benzema? Always. Liverpool went away to Benfica 3-1. Jules, yet another big away win for Jurgen Klopp's yes. crew. But there could have been a lot more goals in this one for both. This was a bit of a sloppy match. It was, it was great, but yeah, you're right. A little bit sloppy. Okay, I'm going to put it out there. I don't think it was a pen. Uh, Van Dijk on Nunez on Darwin. I, I okay. I know there's the arm a bit after the uh, the little hook with his with his inside of his left foot, but I don't think there's enough there to give the pen. Uh, and I know the Benficaist and the Benfica players were outraged and thought that at least the referee could have gone and, and checked VAR. I don't think there was enough there. But at two one, that could have maybe made it two two, and it's a completely different game. However, I also think that without the Konate mistake. Darwin doesn't score and Liverpool can win the game 4 or 5 nil because they had that many chances. I think Odysseus made five saves. Yeah, he had a tremendous, he had a great he had a tremendous game. game. And Liverpool was so good with the ball going forward. It, I mean, Trent, the diagonal on the Mane goal for Luis Diaz is just something. Yeah. It's absolutely pure it art. Kind of makes a difference when Trent is in there at right back rather than Joe Gomez who we like isn't Joe. a right back. No, nothing wrong uh, with Joe, but he's just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we know, we know. Manchester City beat Atletico Madrid 1-0. Gab, it turned out to be the contrasting styles that everybody expected. I think you've got an interesting take on it. Well, first of all, I was uh, just struck by Pep. I love what he said before, right? Pep said, you know, he's accused about, oh, do you overthink big games? And, yeah. you know, and I thought he was like, oh, yeah, I overthink because I'm stupid and I want to lose. Uh, you know, like, you know my thoughts on Pep yeah. overthinking. Although then, in some ways, he kind of goes out and does it because... You know, he drops Phil Foden to the bench. He pays Bernardo Silva to the middle. You know, in a subtle way, as Ake mm. uh, at left back instead of Zinchenko. Obviously, no uh, Kyle Walker, so can sell Suspended, the penalty, right? Yeah. Um, but still. But the other one, when, when he says, oh, no, Real Madrid, uh, Atletico Madrid aren't that defensive. And, you know, the dark arts, you do what you want to win. And in the game, I mean, honestly, like, that first half with people joked about it like these five five zero formation yeah i mean the fact that all black doesn't touch the ball against manchester city at home that's that's mission accomplished that's mission accomplished. i can't believe and at the I can't hour believe mark, i'm hearing those words in your mouth listen i cannot believe that you're actually happy with the five five zero formation i'm not happy tactics. but if i'm Simeone, i'm happy and then at the hour mark he makes a change he brings on the posse right lemar and cunha and whatever and, and Correa, and he says, now we're going to stun you. We've lulled you into false sense of security. Problem what, is... What happened to you when I was away? Why, why like... No, no, I, I'm not saying... I'm just saying... I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is an effective strategy long-term, but I think if you are where you are now with Atletico Madrid, where you've gone the ups and the downs, you're playing City in this form, away from home, with the players that you have and the conditions that you have, then looking to defend, trying to get a scrap, some Joao Felix, waiting for a mistake. But they didn't even do that, Gav. They didn't even do anything. The City didn't make mistakes. But Griezmann touched the ball 16 times in an hour. He, he, he recovered the ball four times. That's all he did. Surely, surely no one can be happy with that. Swindon went to the Etihad and played better. Wickham went to the Etihad and played better. I mean, come on. Look at the squad that he has. Look at the squad that El Cholo has. Don't tell me you cannot play better even away at City no. in a Champions League quarterfinal than that. But there was no Carrasco. No, uh, look, I'm just joking about I'm, that. I'm just, I was, I, I, I think just, though, I listen, expected a defensive performance, but not like that. I think he's tried to play more attacking football this season. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes it hasn't worked in this game. Right now, if you're, if you're Simeone, you're 1-0 down from the first leg. You, you host City at home. You're happy because you have to believe that you can win by a single goal or two goals. But how do right? you switch from being so negative to, to try to be a bit more positive? You don't switch it like this. It's not a plug. They do it all the time. They are this negative all the time. They do it all the time. They switch at the weekend and then they try to be more positive and sometimes they score goals and sometimes they don't score goals. But this is City not... we're talking about. They'll do I it. think you They'll left do. yourself with a huge mountain to climb with, right. with, with stupid tactics again. Your old pal Unai Emery puts the hex on Bayern as Villarreal beat them 1-0 and Jules. Yeah. Could have been more. Should have been, been more. You're right, man. Uh, Gerard Moreno hit the post. There's that lob that could have gone in as well. There's the, the Coquelin goal, which was a fluke, but still ruled out for a tiny offside, which was the right call. But, uh, I mean, I've rarely seen this season Bayern under so much pressure. They didn't turn up at all. It was so poor from Lewandowski, from Müller, from the defence, from everybody, from Nagelsmann as well. And we were like, wow, OK, it's... Villarreal played great. The 4-4-2 works well. The tactically, Unai is a very good coach. So this is exactly what we expected. Where I, where I feel a little bit, and Parejo said it after the game, he said, we're happy with the win, but not with the, not with the score. And he's right. Yeah. I think as you score two or three, 
you had a chance to go through. Now, just a 1-0 win, I don't think it's enough. I mean, it's a bit of shades of Salzburg, although obviously yeah, Salzburg did it in a completely different way. I don't know if mentally they weren't prepared. Obviously, they would have been better, I think, if Goretzka had started. I'm assuming Goretzka is not, still not he 100% just came back. Yeah, he just came yeah. back. He obviously started the weekend. But, yeah, this has got to be a concern because, you know, you don't take things for granted at this stage of the season if you're Bayern. And we know Emery can go out and do mm. a mega catenaccio like... <laughs> like exactly. Simeone if he needs to yeah, yeah, he's done yeah. it before he can do that for sure and sticking with Bayern Gab Freiburg have said that they are lodging a complaint with the German FA over the 12 men on the pitch uh, last weekend in the game against Bayern but they were uncomfortable doing so so they still did it but didn't really want to do it yeah, what exactly do they mean by and that? I gave the reasons they're saying like well you know I think it's important that we have a precedent in case this happens again um, but it doesn't really affect the score. I, this, this is so stupid. This is so bureaucratic, right? I mean... Why like, do we need it? It didn't impact the score. Move on. Come it was five down. seconds. Or Leave it. Leave it. Selling a little or a lot? <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash gab jewels all lowercase go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash Gab Jules. Guess what? We got more quick hits. Oh, According yes. to multiple reports, including our very own Mark Ogden and Rob Dawson, Eric Ten Hag impressed Manchester United officials when he interviewed for the job two weeks ago. But he wants assurances before yeah. he commits. But it looks like he's the stone-cold favorite right now over Mauricio Pochettino. Does this make sense to you? Uh, I, I don't know if, if it makes sense in, in in the way that they had a few candidates. They've 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 interviewed a few of them. I still think there's a bit of a gamble part of it because he comes from the Eredivisie and and this is such a completely different world almost right. to what he's been used at Ajax and the way he's been working there with the environment around him and all of that. This is you know this is a completely different pressure environment expectations all of that I don't know if he's ready I want to believe that he's ready I love the guy I love what he's doing this is elite coaching when you see his Ajax team all the all the structure all the permutations all the movement everything on the ball off the ball all of that is great one he needs a lot of time this is not going to come like this two he needs a lot of backing financially to get rid of the players that he doesn't want and, and no. don't fit in there and get the one he wants whether that's spending 80, 100 million, 120 million on so, some of them, but you have to go for it. Now, there would be no point to appoint him and just go half-hearted on, oh, you want him, but what about him? He's cheaper and a bit younger. I, I'm not as high on Ten Hag as you are. I shared a lot of your reservations. Um, I'm not sure about the genius thing, but he's a good coach. 
What I find interesting, though, is the timing of all this stuff and the way stuff, the information leaks out, right? We've been assured that he's not going to confirm it until Ajax have won the title, if they win the title, yeah, right? They're in a proper title race. Yeah, yeah. That then creates a situation where you're already, if confirmation were to actually, like a solid confirmation were to leak from the United end, you're in a situation where already you're starting off on the bad foot, right? Yeah. If, but at the same time, you got to start planning for next season. So you've got to have conversations about players. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because the Ajax risk could go down. It's, it's just weird how they're kind of stuck once again. It's not entirely United's fault, but no, no, you're no. stuck between a rock and a hard place. Mm. Meanwhile, Gab, the Austrian FA have denied reports that they met with Manchester United's current manager, Ralf Rangnick, uh, as they're looking for a new head coach, of course. But Gab, he will reportedly only work six days in a month once he moves upstairs from the bench to a consultant role this summer. So he would have plenty of time on his hands to take over the Austrian national team. Yeah. Um, and look, remember when he was appointed and people said, oh, they're so smart because he does this for six months. He'll be a consultant. He'll turn United into, yeah. you know, the Red Bull model. And No, not, not in six days a month. I think now we know that the two years, look, if they liked him so much, they were going to make him permanent manager, director of football, they would have given him a new deal, yeah. a real contract. This is just a way of just giving him more money for, for the next two years. And that's fine. Interestingly, Ragnik, of course, he had an open door, as I understand it, to move back to Lokomotiv Moscow. Obviously, that door now is closed <laughs> yes. for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, man wants to stay involved. I think he'd be a good fit in Austria. Louis van Gaal is battling a prostate tumor and will step down as Dutch boss after the World Cup. Jules, I have a feeling you're particularly impressed with his replacement. The Dutch guy is back. Incredible. Well, he'll be back soon in January I, 23. And he wasn't bad with the, last, was good, the last time he was the Holland And manager. maybe the Dutch guy is more suited to the national team setup, not working too much, you know, having the players now and again. And maybe that works better for him. Hey, I wish him the... You know I wish him. <laughs> okay. This was back on Monday, but God, Milan could not get past Bologna in a nil-nil draw. This means that if Inter win their game in hand, we would have three teams in the space of one point in what is an incredible title race in Serbia. Yes, to quote Sir Alex Ferguson, squeaky bum yeah, time. Yeah, big time. Uh, Milan had 33 shots on goal, like 2.3 XG or something in that game. Uh, I think it was a level of misfortune there, yeah, but yeah. it's super, super touch. Inter's game in hand, by the way, against Bologna, Bologna. as well. Yeah. Talk about spoilers there. Uh, it's super tight. I am. I'm, I'm psyched. I'm, yeah, I'm hyped and am. Of course you have to be. Also on Monday, our boy Patrick Vieira and Crystal Palace wrecked the party against his old team, Arsenal, as they're beaten 3-0. Nah. 3-0? Yes, right. 3-0. Yeah. Wow. Jules, Spurs are now level on points, so Arsenal have that game in hand. Uh, and Kieran Tierney is now out for the season. Yeah, which is a big blow. Thomas Partey also picked up an injury in that defeat against Crystal Palace, which was a bad night from the beginning. How aggressive Palace were and Arsenal never responding. Tavares, a left-back to replace Tierney, had a very difficult game. It was his first time in 2022 as well. So you've got that to sort out. Do you keep playing Tavares or do you maybe move Tomiyasu to left-back and keep Cedric at right-back? What do you do Cedric the left-back. Or Cedric at left-back and Tomiyasu right-back. Uh, is Lon can Lokonga come in? I really believe in Lokonga, but he's still a young player. Come in. This is this is going to be tough. And, and you could also say that Tottenham have a slightly easier run of fixture between now and the end of the season compared to, compared to Arsenal. And they certainly have a lot of momentum as well. So it's going to be quite fascinating to follow both Spurs and, and Arsenal.
Cristiano Ronaldo or maybe his social media team reacted to a video of Wayne Rooney uh, suggesting that Manchester United should move on from him uh, with, with a comment from Cristiano too jealous as in TWO you would think Carragher and, and Rooney I guess were the two jealous guys uh, are you team Rooney or team Cristiano or neither? Hey, I'm really neither in, in, in this one just because I can't abide by the stupidity of writing TWL jealous and like reacting to this. I don't. And two eyes as well. There was the emoji I mean, with the two eyes. I don't think what Rooney said was that big a deal. If you actually listen to what he says, he's not having a go at Cristiano. He's saying like, you want to, you know, this team needs to rebuild, be rebuilt for the future. Cristiano is not a cyborg. He won't be playing yeah. when he's 45. So let Cristiano and Pogba go and start over. It's a legitimate opinion. He's yeah. not knocking you, um, Cristiano. But I don't, again, I don't, I'm not sure it was Cristiano. Like, he has social media people who go and post on his behalf. Um, I don't think they do were being Rooney jealous of Rooney. Do you think Rooney like, like, Do you think Rooney got a text from Cristiano saying? Hey, I, I have no idea. But out of all the silly things Rooney has done, and 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 you know, like this doesn't rank among them. He's expressing a I legitimate know. opinion. They're not trolling him. They're not being mean or or unfair. They're not saying Cristiano's finished. They're not saying Cristiano can't run. They're not saying Cristiano's ugly or weird. I mean, you're not saying Cristiano's the problem. No, they're just saying. Maybe let's rebuild from scratch. Yeah, yeah. Presumably, Cristiano doesn't want to play for a team that's being rebuilt from scratch. He wants to play for a team that can compete and win. Yeah. Usman Dembele has been in fuego for Barcelona. Oh yes. Now there are reports of contract talks. Like I, I see no reason why Dembele should go and speak to them now. Well, no, you summer. listen. Of course, you listen. You listen to what Xavi, to what Laporta have to say. Uh, and you get all the offers from all the clubs that are interested, and then you're going to make your decision in the summer. So yeah. that's what they're doing. Bad to us for Everton after losing 3-2 to Burnley on Wednesday night after being 2-1 up as well, Gab. There's just a single point above the relegation zone now. Yeah, and this is after somebody calculated they spent something like half a billion pounds since wow. uh, these people took over. Um, I think they're going to be fine. I think there was fight in there. I think ultimately... Burnley kind of out-mentaled them, but it is very, very tight. And psychologically, it's a huge blow mm. when you lose like this to a, to, a, to a direct opponent. Jules, you love your Panini stickers, do. as do I. The Panini, Philly Panini sticker album was a, was a big part of, of our Euro. Yeah. So are you a bit sad that Panini has been replaced as UEFA's official partner for trading card stickers and collectibles for the next Euros by Tops? I'm devastated, I have to be honest. I didn't see this one coming. I knew the contract was up for, for grabs or something. Uh, and I believe maybe Panini and Tops are the same group too or something like that. But I don't believe so. I think they were bidding against each other. Were they bidding each other? I don't know. I, I, I'm devastated. So are my children. Uh, for me, the, the, the sticker album for a Euros or a World Cup is Panini. It's always been like that since we were growing up, even before we were growing up. Uh, and... Yeah, this doesn't make me happy. So I know tops because obviously in the U.S., baseball cards for people of a certain age were a big thing. And yeah. they were one of the big ones that, 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 that made them. I think they've been bought by, by fanatics since then. I don't, I don't understand. I, I didn't even know that they're the official partner for trading card stickers and collectibles for the Champions League now. Did you know that tops were there? No, I don't, I it's know. not a sphere in which I operate in. I, I don't know. Like I should know that, really. You've got boys. Do they run yeah, around like, oh, look, I've got the tops. Yeah, Borisov, they did Papa. before. And we got, we got them from the Premier League. But, but 
I I don't know. For me, stickers, and I'm sure they can do a really good job. This is not just Panini. Well, what I'm curious is, are you just going to copy the Panini model and it'll just be like the top sticker album? Or like... I don't know. Yeah, the other thing know. is, what is Panini... Panini used to be an Italian company, of course. Now it's, it's, it's English. What do they actually do other than these... Oh, no, they do albums. plenty, like, you know, Frozen had a sticker album. Everything has a sticker album. And I think a lot of it is done by Panini. But, okay. But, yeah, this one, this one was such an iconic partnership. This is you know, a world... And I'm sure Tops can do a great job. And if Tops are <laughs> listening or watching, please hit us up with your ambition for, you know, and what you're going to do for this Euros yes. album or is it digital one or real stickers one or... NFTs, NFTs. Oh my God. <laughs> Russia are banned by FIFA and the IOC from international sporting competition, as we know. But there's an exception, Gab. The Russian women's team, as of right now, are still on course to participate at the women's Euros in England this summer. Although their opponents, Switzerland, one of the opponents, have already said that they will boycott the game if they turn up. What's so Switzerland? That's that's the first game. So like, um, I think when they banned them, they were at the risk. I'm putting my cynical hat on. I think they said, "All right, the Euros aren't until June. Russia have already qualified. This war is going to be over in a week. There'll be some peace deal, whatever. Sport yeah. goes on. It's important for the women's game. Blah blah blah." And everything will be settled by June. Now, obviously, we're in April now. The war is far from settled. The war is more horrifying um, than ever. The sentiment is more negative than ever. I think those measures that they had put in place until May, and in fact, I think I'm right in saying that it's not quite an indefinite ban, like, I think it will be in st- it will be extended. It will be extended yeah, as long as public sentiment is the way it is, as long as the stance of the United Nations is the way it is. I think it has to be. Because otherwise, what you're saying is, oh, yeah, we'll ban you for the serious stuff, the men. But, yeah, the women, yeah, like, yeah, ah, okay. let them play. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the wrong, you know, if, it, if we are going to ban, it has to be a ban of everything. Yeah, I think. definitely. The 777 Group, which already owns stakes in Genoa and Sevilla, are in the process of acquiring sleeping giant oh, Red yes. Star Paris. Jules, should Paris Saint-Germain get a little nervous? <laughs> are you going to be a, a three-team uh, top-flight city? Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's due, to be fair, to have another big club in Paris, whether that's Red Star with the 777 group or Paris FC, who are right now looking good for promotion or certainly will be in the battle for promotion to Ligue 1. Uh, I'm very happy with this because uh, I think the 777 group is doing a really good job with Genoa, for example. They also now own Vasco in Brazil and Standard de Liège in, in Belgium as well. Uh, we know the club ownership, it's the future. But we know, we know the work that they're doing, we know who they're working with as well, which is, which is, I think, a really good base. And Red Star is such an iconic club. I mean, I have played so many games in the Stade Boer, which is... A, a dump? Well, it's, it's a big key of what they're going to do because it's an iconic stadium, but it's falling apart, of course. It's an, it's an artificial pitch as well. But it's such in a, in a great place, right in the middle of the community, of course, in Saint-Ouen, uh, where the club belongs. But what do you do with the stadium? What do you do with the training ground? So there's, there's a lot, there are a lot of questions. Habib Bey, remember him, the former Newcastle yes. manager who 
became one of the great pundits on French television and turned now managers and doing a really good job there uh, at the club. So very exciting times. Uh, and yeah, if you're PSG, you're looking at it, they are the uh, little brothers, if you want, but you have to take them seriously, I think. There's obviously no shortage of talent in, oh the, in the Paris region, right? This is what uh, I said to the you know, people around the club. There is it's such a hotbed in talent for football. You can easily see this Red Star team in Ligue 1 in a few years' time with almost a full 11 of Paris-born and bred kids. What I... Uh, what, what, what I wonder about, and I always wonder about it with this, is multi-club ownership. We've talked about it so many times. There's mm. so many examples. Arguably, other than the Red Bull group, nobody has had meaningful, successful multi-club ownership. And even, and even Red Bull have had a whole bunch of, of, of failures, Yeah, the right? City group, to be fair, won the league in Australia, won the league in the U.S., won the league in England. But That's pretty good. There's almost no, as I understand it, well, first of all, they did it by spending an enormous amount yeah, of money, yeah. necess not necessarily finding synergies and, and whatever, true, right? True. But as I understand, there's actually a lot less cooperation. There's a lot of talk, but I don't know. Um, like, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. A lot of people say, look, it makes sense, but there's, there's at least like half a dozen of these out there. Mm -hmm. and um, Nobody, I think, has really been able to tap their, their, their full potential. Maybe Would seven, you put seven the Puzo family in that? Because they're three clubs. Suddenly, there's a lot of synergy. Well, it's two clubs synergy. now. Yeah, two clubs now. But for a long time, it was three clubs. And that worked pretty well, would you say? That did work pretty well. Um, there's suggestions that they might be ready to sell Watford. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. Um, then again, just swapping a bunch of players back and forth, is that synergy to that yeah, level? Like, you know. yeah, yeah, I, ultimately, true. I think local culture really, really matters. Yeah. And some of these MCOs have just run into a brick wall when, when they've tried doing it. Matt Letizia stepped down as a club ambassador for Southampton after a backlash over some of his tweets on the war in Ukraine. God, what's going on? So, it's not the first time that he had controversial views. Yeah. So Matt Letizia, obviously legendary footballer, never won the league, stayed in Southampton, scored some of the greatest goals ever. Um, he's this persona on, on Twitter where... He espouses a lot of views, which I think the mainstream media doesn't agree. Views, some of his views on vaccines, views mm -hmm. on the war in Ukraine. Some are, some find them downright offensive, frankly. What, and that's one of the reasons he was a pundit on on television here in England on on Sky. You know, he stepped down from that. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that if you're going to tweet your mind and you're going to say things that people find objectionable or downright offensive. Um, you can't be an ambassador. The, the, the very job yeah, of an ambassador is, you know, if you've ever met an ambassador, he's everybody's friend. Exactly. He's totally nice. He's diplomatic. He's he's a, you know, like, Nicely, yeah. Yeah, you can't. Those two things don't don't no. go together. Um, the suggestion he's put out a statement saying like, "Oh, my Twitter work." Again, it's interesting that he sees it as work. <laughs> uh, is really important to me. So, and I believe in, uh, and I believe in it. And look, I like to believe that Leticia understands that if he's going to be outspoken on Twitter uh, with some of these things, he's not serving Southampton's interests. Yeah. And I like to think that he said, look, I love Southampton. I'm not helping Southampton as an ambassador if I'm still involved in my Twitter work. Um, so fair play to him in that. Uh, as for the contents of the stuff he actually tweets about, I have my own very strong views on that, mm -hmm. and I don't need to share them here. Yeah. 
Many were impressed when Dan Ashworth agreed to join Newcastle United as a sporting director. Yes. Ashworth, of course, he was at Brighton. He was at the FA before that. A lot of people think he's, he was at West Brom before yeah, that. Yeah. One of the first proper directors of football uh, in right. the English game. We um, like him a lot. But Jules... Although he's got that weird blank space. Isn't his best man, what's it, A.D. Boothroyd? Yeah, yeah, some yeah, weird thing? Weird. Like, yeah, it just nice. makes no sense. No, but anyway, just, whatever. Doesn't add up. But we still like you. Um, but Jules, so his old club, Brighton, um, by, he had it written in his contract that like, yeah. if you resign, you have to sit out for six months. That's your waiting period. Uh, or your notice period. Uh, and they say, like, if you want to join Newcastle now, you've got to pay $5 million. And Newcastle is saying, well, we're not going to be taken. We're not going to pay that money. We're not going to you're going to wait. What would it be different for a sporting director than it is for a manager or a player? If you anything, know. it should be more important for a sporting director. But yeah, exactly. Right? They're harder to replace even. So if you're Brighton, you don't let just let him go and say, oh, thank you for everything you did for us. Now you can go and build another great project that will be competition to us in the northwest, in the northeast. It doesn't work like this. If you want someone who is under contract, but you'll have to you'll have to pay compensation. This is the way it is. If Newcastle uh, don't want to do that, they can wait for. I think Brighton are absolutely brilliant to protect yeah, themselves completely. in doing this. Um, obviously, we see teams playing competition all the time. Look at what Bayern paid to get Nagelsmann, yeah. for example. What I find interesting here, though, is you're a sporting director, right? So he goes away for six months. He's still going to watch football. Exactly. He's still going to get on the phone. Prepare. Yeah, exactly. He can still provide his input. Like I always wonder, like how do you actually patrol this or police? I'm sure. I'm sure there's lawyers coming out of the woodwork who are going to go and spy on him to make sure he's not working for Newcastle. <laughs> Tap but, his phone. Who are you speaking to? For what? Yeah. But I'll tell you what. It is problematic. I I think when you know Newcastle looks like they're going to stay up. They want to move the club forward. They have the resources. If they don't have a lead at the top. It's going to be Eddie Howe running things. Yeah. And I like Eddie Howe more as a coach than I do, you know, making signings, decisions on his own. That's yeah, the one yeah, thing no, of which course. would make me a bit nervous. San Siro is one of the greatest stadiums in the world. Probably the greatest. Yeah, after the Parc des Princes. But if you haven't been, please go. Uh, and Milan and Inter wanted to jointly build a ground next door to it. A new ground. It needs really a lot of... TLC. Uh, so why are they not threatening to leave Milan okay. altogether, Gab? So as you know, this is a story very close to my heart, not least because I was born in a clinic directly yes. across the street from uh, the uh, Stadio Giuseppe Mazza, a.k.a. San Siro. Um, and this whole thing, I mean, people are upset already that they wanted to originally, they're, they're going to move. But the reality is it can't be redeveloped in its current state yeah. into a lucrative uh, stadium tomorrow. It's like, like, a like a live, like a Bernabeu, for example. You yeah. can't do that. You can't do it. I, I don't think it's in such horrendous shape. I don't also not one of those people that I don't really care about stadiums that much as long as the sight lines are good. I mean, I think you probably could have refurbished it, but maybe not to the level where it's going to make you money. Yeah, yeah. And that's obviously what Inter Milan want to do because look around Europe. They say, oh look, match day revenue. We can put seventy thousand people in there, but we can't charge them as much as as other clubs if mm. we develop. So they were going to build a stadium next door. They had two very cool projects, actually, and that's this whole thing. But now bureaucratic red tape, which is what has destroyed um, anybody wanting to build anything in Italy for the last uh, 20 years. Um, the process is getting slower and slower. I mean, they introduced the project in 2019. Now it's just looking like the deadline is, you know, 20, 2025, 2026, 2027. That's crazy. So they're saying, like, look, you know, if we have to build a stadium somewhere outside the city limits, we will do that. Um, I'm a bit 
of my own personal view, and I do have you know skin in this game because it's my city. Yeah, I don't want you to build a stadium outside no. the city limits. I want you to either stay in the stadium as it is, or you build the one next door. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think some of the and I think some of the politicians have to realize there's going to be a real backlash over this. You know, we've just about come up to the idea that you're going to go next door, fine. And you're going to have a space for everybody in Milan. There's going to be a whole bunch of different things. That's fine. But you can't just slow it down for this reason. And I don't think they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah. But It's more of a threat than anything else, you think? To I would sure. hope so, but a threat has to be credible, right? Otherwise, yeah. they just laugh at you. Ha ha, you're never going to leave. Yeah. And then and we know it. Yeah. Exactly. Porto in uh, the... Superliga, uh, they're breaking records, Jules. They're 56 yeah. games now? Yeah, and beaten in the league uh, in Arona. They won on Monday night. That was back on Monday night against Santa Clara, uh, 3-0. To, to level the record that was set by Benfica back in 1976-78 of 56 league games in a row unbeaten. And they've got the chance now at home as well at the Dragao at the weekend against Portimonense to beat that record and go 57, which would be incredible. And I know... You can look at it and say, okay, there's only four games really that are challenging in a way, the two Benficas and the two sporting games. Okay, I get it. But still, 56 games in a row without losing in the league. I mean, credit to Sergio Concesao, to the club, to the players, because even mentally, to know that you're on such an incredible run is, is tiring in itself. So well done to them. And I really hope that they beat that record at the weekend. I think it will be great. Because you hate Porto. Benfica. No, it's not that. I just think <laughs> those kidding, kind I'm of kidding. records are, are there to be beaten. I know, I know. You know, I know. It was I for so long to beat that record from Benfica. I think even 70s. with the polarization of resources and stuff like that, um, I think this is a remarkable record to, to just be able to stay on your game like yeah, this. You know, I we, agree with you. We, we, we've seen Liverpool and City as good as they are. They lose games. Yeah. So for Porto to do this, I think, yeah. remarkable. Completely. Gab, tell us the story of Kelechi and Wakali and Huesca and why it's in the news right now. Yeah, so he came out um, uh, and, and he's 23 years old, obviously plays for Huesca. I think he was at Arsenal uh, earlier in his career. Mm. Uh, it's one of those stories which I think is emblematic of what a lot of, uh, a lot of players face. Um, and in some ways, it kind of sums all these stories up. So basically, he's Nigerian. He was called up for the Africa Cup of Nations. Huesca didn't want him to go. Um, tried to pressure him into not going. Uh, there was also the fact that his contract is up in June. Yeah. Huesca obviously wanted him to extend and extend on their terms. So maybe they could you know, get some money from him rather than losing him on a free. He decided not to. I think he feels that they were being vindictive and saying, we don't want you to go to the AFCON. Obviously, it's his right to go. So he did was released and he did go to, to the Cup of Nations. He says he picked up an injury and as a result, returned a little late. I think they might dispute that. Yeah. Um, now, they've terminated his contract unilaterally uh, based on that. Um, and he says that they owe them money. Uh, they say, we've done everything legally. Uh, there's a lot of detail in there. Again, I don't know where the truth is, yeah. but I think there is a slight dysfunction. There's, there's two dysfunctions in the system. One is players going on international duty in the club versus country um, debate, mm. especially with regards to the Africa Cup of Nations, simply because of the sheer volume of players, right? Um, you know, we have to think as a football community, do we value international football? Do we value these yeah. tournaments? Um, secondly, uh, and personally, I think we should, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, secondly, there's an issue simply with players whose contracts are expiring. Because 
if I'm Weska, if you extend your contract, I can, and you know, I might give you more money, but I can sell you and make some money off you. Yeah. If you don't extend your contract, contract, and I'm not in danger of you know promotion or relegation from the table, why should I play you for six months? What do I care? You know, mm. you're just an asset. You're just something that brings me money, um, and that is the uglier side of yeah. it. Now, the Spanish Players Union is involved. You have to be given certain guarantees. He said he he was allowed into the training ground, but he couldn't train with his teammates. He didn't have access to to, to certain things. Obviously, athletes need to be given the conditions. It's a messy situation, but this is something that happens far too often, and it's something that, that I think too often we don't hear about. Yeah. Not a good week for uh, Michel Platini no. and Alisher Usmanov, Jules. <laughs> and now there's the business of a Pablo Picasso lithograph, too. That's right, yeah. We kind of knew before already that at some point someone would have made a big gift to Michel Platini before he voted for Russia to host the 2018 World Cup. We, we thought it was from Uzmanov, we were not really sure what it was exactly. We, th- we knew it was, it was some sort of art, painting maybe. And this, this was revealed this week where for his birthday, as you do, you know, Alisson Uzmanov, who has no relationship with Michel Platini at all. They're not friends, they've never been friends. I don't he has no relationship met. with Everton either, except either, for being a sponsor. Nothing to do with Farhad Mashiri. Yeah, and then imagine just receiving on your birthday a Picasso. Hey, nice. From ooh, Alicia. Okay, yeah. Thank you very much. And then a few weeks later, voting for Russia. I mean, come on, Michel. Um, he says Platini says it's got nothing to do with his vote. This is not corruption. But obviously, this adds to the long list of um, you know things that Michel Platini had been involved in and well, his time as UEFA president. I mean, to be fair, he's got a point. I, I Usmanov only got me a Kandinsky. So oh, yeah, that's Picasso what I thought. Yeah, been, yeah, 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 I know. Who did you vote for again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but by the way, Platini reacting by his lawyers now taking legal action against Infantino, almost everybody, FIFA, yeah. Infantino, Michael Lauber, the, yeah. the Swiss Attorney General, Marco Villager, the former head of finance at FIFA. Yeah, yeah. predictable. The shirt Diego Maradona wore when he scored the greatest World Cup goal of all time uh, is up for auction and expected to fetch for more than four million pound Gabs. It's also the, the same shirt that he usually wore in the uh, infamous Hand of God. And Gab, you know the lucky man who is putting this for sale? Yeah, I worked with him for several years on the radio here in England and in, uh, in London and Talksport many years ago. That would be former England and Nottingham Forest star Steve Hodge. I'm sure everybody's interviewing right now. Uh, right yeah, now, he's telling the story. But what I remember um, at the time, you know, he knew he owned it. Even back then, I mean, this is like a good 15 years ago. He was kind of looking to see would somebody be interested. But he tells a story about how you know after the game he swapped shirts. A lot of teammates were still angry with him for going and kind of fraternizing. Maradona didn't think twice of taking off the shirt and just giving it to him. Um, but when he got back from the World Cup, he literally he didn't wash the shirt and he literally just put it directly in his drawer like his sock drawer yeah, or something yeah, yeah. for for many years before realizing that it was in there <laughs> so it's kind of weird that it is it wasn't actually washed but yeah. uh well, well look well done to him i He's mean i don't think game. there's do you think there's a piece of merchandising that or like of memorabilia sorry that is greater than this one surely not honestly in sports or? when you have the combination of the biggest states the world cup yeah if not the greatest player of all time, certainly, you know, the most, well, you know, Wonderful. he's right up there, yeah, yeah. on there, right? The most, probably the most iconic. Yeah. Um, in a game in which he scores the greatest goal ever and, and. the most controversial goal ever. Uh, I mean, that put those to things be. together. It's got to be that. Right, that brings us to an end, Jules. Already? Oh, wow. But uh, Gavin Jules Show will be back on Monday. 
Uh, I think there's a certain game uh, this weekend. So until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 